And you can take your Bible and turn to Colossians 4. We'll be there in a few moments. Colossians 4. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His blessing on our time in the Word. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. How delightful it is to hear Your people reading Your Word, reciting Your Word, and thinking about and talking about the Scriptures that are so powerful to help us, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom, to give us hope. Uh, going back to the beginning of our spiritual lives to give us salvation. Man, what a blessing. And now we, we need your word to learn how to pray and to be strengthened in prayer and encouraged in prayer. And we want that tonight. So Lord, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last Sunday evening, we considered the challenge from James 1 to pray for wisdom. And I hope that you've thought about that some this week. How important it is that we seek out God's wisdom in his word and then pray that God will give you his wisdom to live by. Wisdom that will help you think. Uh, maybe I'm becoming more aware of it, but it seems like right now, in, our, in the world that we live in right now, God's people, uh, more than any other time that I can think of, need the wisdom of God so that we know how to deal with what's going on in our culture. And how to be gracious and yet rock solid in what we believe from God's word and yet gracious to unbelievers and gracious to people who are, who are even maybe fearful and to know the right things to say, when to say them and, and how to say them so that we might be a blessing to people and not cause divisions. What, how important it is that we have God's word and then ask for wisdom to use the word with our daily lives, to lead us in our daily lives. So now we go to Colossians 4, and as we go there, I trust you're already there, but you know, we're not going to go back to chapter 3, but let me just get, kind of give you a thumbnail sketch of chapter 3, because if we were to look at chapter 3, we would see there that Paul is describing what it looks like for a believer in Jesus Christ to put on the new self. And he's describing what daily life for the believer in Jesus should look like. Now, believers who have new life in Christ, and what a blessing that is to have uh, been saved and born again and given new life in Christ, uh, believers who have that new life in Christ begin by going to war over their sins. Uh, they, they begin getting a little more and more serious about the, the fleshly things that they are beginning to recognize that they never thought about before, uh, before becoming believers now, the believer works along with the Holy Spirit, thank goodness. It's not all up to our own strength to, to fight the war with our fleshliness, our sinfulness. The believer works along with the Holy Spirit. Get that we do work. It is, to, it is our role to be obedient, to pursue obedience, but we don't work alone. We work, in fact, I believe the Holy Spirit does the hard part. It may seem hard to obey, but I think the Holy Spirit does the much harder part and helps us along in the battle against our own temptations, putting to death impure and sensual passions of the flesh, also working to put away and be done with things like anger and wrath and malice and slander. And as one of God's chosen and holy and beloved ones, the believer with the help of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, brings to their daily living truthfulness and compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. You see all that in chapter 3. 
And in all of that, the believer seeks to allow the peace of Christ to rule in their life. And that's so necessary. If not, now when? Uh, we need the peace of Christ to rule and reign in our lives. And this usually begins to bring believers into harmony with God's people. Right? When we allow the peace of God to rule, we begin to care less about what's going on to me, uh, what I, you know, my personal preferences and my personal longings and desires, and we start thinking about other people. And this helps bring us into harmony with God's people. And the peace of Christ at work in the believer in Christ takes root and then impacts things like marriage relationships and parent and child relationships and employer and employee relationships and neighbor relationships and all of this for the believer's good, all of this for the believer's joy, but all of this especially for God's glory, that people would see Christ. And that's all in chapter 3, and that leads us right into Colossians 4. So after all that practical instruction for daily living, I want you to look at where Paul's going to go next with this letter to the Colossian believers. He's going to go to the topic that we considered last week from James 1 to the most important topic of prayer. It is, I'm not saying it's the most important topic, I'm just saying it's a most important topic. It goes right along with Bible reading and I think attending church, you know, being with God's people. It is a most important topic for believers, that topic of prayer. He goes to this topic of prayer and this spiritual discipline of prayer that really should be at the very center of life for every believer in Jesus. It, the prayer for believers in Jesus should not be a, a side note, kind of a, a passing rabbit trail that we go down occasionally. It ought to be the main, one of the main things that we find ourselves doing over everything over everything. The spiritual discipline of prayer is so necessary. Uh, if you want to go back to even the peace that should rule in our hearts, we need to talk to God about things that trouble us. He knows things trouble us. He wants to hear us surrender them to Him and ask for His will to be done in them. And so let's look at Colossians 4, and I want to begin in verse 2, and we'll read through verse 6. So Colossians 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, the Bible makes it clear that the spiritual discipline of prayer should be at the center of life for every believer in Jesus. Now, some might say, is prayer really that important? It needs to be at the center of, of the life of a believer? Is prayer really that important? Listen to what the Bible says. <laughs> and I love this. I'll remind you that this is always a good answer if you're trying to even if you're trying to witness to someone and, and help them see the truth and they're going they want to argue with you about things. It's it's simply the, the best thing to do is to say the Bible says <laughs> and then read the Bible to them or recite the scriptures to them. 
Better than your opinion or my opinion any day, the Bible, right? So here's what the Bible says. Does, uh, does God's word have anything to say about whether or not prayer should be at the center of life for a believer? Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, another way to say prayer, making supplication for all the saints. Keep alert with all perseverance. Luke 18.1 says of Jesus that speaking to the disciples, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then we hear this in Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, says 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, believers are to pray, you know this, <laughs> pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And we have not only those commands for believers to always pray, but we also have the example of the saints that have gone before us that we can see from the Scriptures. Um, even Jesus, think of that, God in human flesh, even Jesus prayed. And He even made it a point to separate Himself from the busyness of the day to go and be alone to pray at times. The Bible also commands us to pray for those people who are in authority over us. Inauguration Day is coming. And that's a powerful reminder to us of what's going on in the world. We need to pray for all people who are in authority over us. We're commanded to do so. We're to pray for those who minister the gospel to us. We're to pray for the church. We're to pray for other believers. We're also given examples of prayer offered up for those who are our employers. We are also ought to often up, offer up prayers for our fellow countrymen, our neighbors, that they would be saved. Uh, pray for those who maybe seek to take advantage of us or envy us. Uh, we ought to pray for those who forsake us and mistreat us and pray for people who even say bad things about us, who would slander us. We ought to pray for them. Prayer is so important that we are instructed by the Bible to put the practice of prayer at the very center of our lives. And I think the Bible makes it really clear that it is that important. It is critically important. And along with being people who pursue the wisdom of God in the Word of God, we're to be people who ask God in prayer for His will to be accomplished in our lives and in the things that He has us doing in this world. Um, this morning I made the point that we ought, to, we ought to love Jesus and we ought to love His church. And as long as He has us this side of heaven, He wants us to be actively serving His church and serving one another and serving people who need to be a part of the church because they've trusted in Jesus Christ and come to know Him by, by our witness. 
The Bible instructs us that the life of a believer who's walking with Christ will have a walk that is characterized by a growing faithfulness of consistent and constant prayer. This is one of the ways we love the church. This is one of the ways we show our love for Jesus, is that we surrender our will to His will being done. We bring the things that we desire and even tell Him what we want, but we're, we always bring it with the attitude, but your will be done. So if I'm asking for something that's not your will, then you correct my prayer and give me the answer I need and not the one I'm asking for. Now, let's look more closely at what we see in verse 2. That, uh, I want you to see here that there are three ways you're to pray if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Last week, we were challenged to pray for wisdom, for daily living. And that's so necessary. We need the word for that, but we also ought to pray for that. Pray for wisdom, for daily living. And here are three ways to pray to add to that so that you can be confident that you have God's answer when you pray. Now, just before we go too far here, sometimes God's answer is wait. God does answer. Sometimes it's wait or not yet. <laughs> or be patient. We don't like that, do we? But that's a good answer. And, and if God says wait, if God is waiting, if He is being patient to answer our request, that's what we need too, because He knows best, isn't it? So, but here, here are three things, that, uh, three ways that I see here that we ought to be praying. Verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And we learn here the first th thought here, the first thing that we ought to think about first way that we ought to pray is pray with devotion. I would say it this way, pray with faithfulness. Paul tells believers in Jesus to continue, continue steadfastly in prayer. The idea here is that believers are to be persistent. Uh, we see other examples of this in God's Word where we're taught to be persistent and consistent. Persistent and consistent in our praying, and courageously so. I love to be reminded of this thought, that we speak to the Creator of the universe, who's, the Bible says, and it's a, it's a picture for us, it's kind of a word picture for us, so we get the idea of how great God is, whose, whose throne is in heaven, and the earth is His footstool. That's, that's the Creator of the universe the God who is now, right now, in control, we get to talk to Him. And that is an incredible blessing. And so we can pray courageously. But we need to know God's Word to be able to pray courageously. I mean, we can't just become charging into the throne room of God to pray for you know, whatever we want, ignoring what God wants, ignoring what God's Word tells us and how we ought to pray. That's why it's so important that we learn how to pray from God's Word. So if your faith is in Jesus, you're to be steadfast in prayer and faithful in prayer, devoted to prayer. Your praying is not to be a passing, temporal inclination, but should be something that you devote yourself to wholeheartedly. Now, I understand that this is a challenge, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not giving you these ideas or these challenges uh, ignoring the fact that 
being consistent and being devoted to prayer is a real challenge because we we all have lives to live and things that press in on us and demand our time and our attention. And yet, we desperately need to give attention to this also. We get the sense of the seriousness of this from a passage like 1 Peter 4, 7, where it says, the end of all things is at hand. I read this passage and I think, oh my, no kidding. It feels like that sometimes right now, doesn't it? The end of all things is at hand. So how do we respond? How are we supposed to respond? Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. For the sake of your prayers. So that we won't be all over the place. 1 Peter 4, 7, be sober-minded. Be self-controlled and sober-minded so that your prayers will be God-honoring for the sake of So you're not worried and, and, and going kind of nuts without hope, without faith, without courage, so that you will be strengthened in faith as you pray. Ephesians 6.18 says that believers are to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, and to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Keep alert with all perseverance. Now, why do you need to be faithful in prayer? Why do you need to be self-controlled and sober-minded in prayer? Why do you need to keep alert and pray at all times over all things? One major reason for this is because of the deceitfulness of sin that creeps slowly and quietly into our lives when we're not looking, when we're not paying attention. I appreciate uh, what Thomas Watson says about this. Thomas Watson rightly notes about the ease with which we are drawn to sin. These words, these thoughts, many love sin more than God. Many love sin more than God. What is there in sin that any should love it? Sin is a debt. Forgive us our debts, from Matthew 6.12. Sin is a debt which binds over to the wrath of God. And will you love sin? Does any man love to be in debt? Sin is a disease. And will you love sin? Will any man hug a disease? Sin is a pollution. The apostle calls it filthiness from James 1.21. It is compared to leprosy and to poison, the poison of asps. God's heart rises against sinners. Sin is a hideous monster. Lust makes a man brutish. Malice makes him devilish. What is in sin to be loved? Shall we love deformity? Sin is an enemy. It is compared to a serpent. But love to God will never let sin thrive in the heart. The love of God withers sin. The flower of love kills the weed of sin. How should we labor for that grace of love to God, which is the only corrosive to destroy sin? That's powerful. How should we labor, he says. The Bible says to be devoted to prayer. Take 
your temptations to the Lord. Take your day to the Lord. Take your challenges to the Lord. Take everything to the Lord in prayer. Saturate your life with God's Word. Pray for wisdom so that you'll be able to take the Word and apply it to everything going on in your life. And then pray and ask for God's help along the way. Be devoted to prayer. Be faithful in prayer and ask God in prayer for help with putting to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, as Colossians 3.5 says. Putting to death what is earthly in you. Again, we're talking about something that's challenging, that's hard, because the deceitfulness of sin would like to creep up on us and creep back into our lives daily. And so we must be in constant warfare, and one of the weapons that God has given us is prayer, and it is powerful. Next, pray with discernment. Don't just be faithful in prayer, also be discerning. Pray with discernment. Be watchful in prayer. Paul says that believers are to be watchful in prayer. The idea here is that we're to keep alert. And you might think, well, alert for what? For one, we'll go back to where we just were for a moment. For one, we ought to be alert to the temptations to sin. Biblical counselor and Bible scholar Wayne Mack writes, If we want to overcome sin in our lives, there can be no substitute for believing prayer. That is, prayer, praying with faith, believing prayer. We absolutely must watch and pray or we will succumb to temptation. Watchfulness and prayerfulness are necessary for victory. So think about the challenges you face. Think about the temptations to sin that you face. And the way to find victory is with the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and then taking these things, these temptations to the Lord in prayer and asking for His help in defeating them. We must learn to be discerning. It is so easy to get sidetracked or derailed in our thinking, so to speak, as we live in this world, if we're taking in too much information from the world and not, and not bathing it all with the Word of God and with prayer, we can easily be led into a lack of discernfulness and being discerning about choices we have to make, relationships we have to keep, business dealings we have to deal with. We need to center ourselves with the Word of God, and we need to go to the Lord in prayer asking for wisdom as our guide, and then be watchful and keep alert in prayer. We desperately need prayer with the Word, with the Holy Spirit's work. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. God's warning from Paul's pen is that you must be watchful, be vigilant and careful about what keeps and holds your attention in this world. There are things in this world that will lead us away from God's word. Lots of things the devil would love to use that on the surface may appear to be just fine, but uh, Satan would love to use them to take us away from the Bible away from the truth, and cause us to lack discernment in how we should deal with our temptations. 
When God's children are careless about the things they allow to shape their thinking and the desires of their heart, they're vulnerable to Satan, vulnerable to his ploys. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 speaks to this when it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Again and again, repeatedly, we're seeing reminders here why we need God's Word, the Spirit of God working in our hearts, and then humility before God in prayer, asking for His will to be done in our lives and to deal with our temptations and to deal with the things that would lead us away from the truth and living in a way that's inconsistent as believers. Be discerning about the world that you live in. The best way to do that is with the Word and prayer. Make prayer your offensive weapon. You might think of the prayer as a defensive weapon, but use it as an offensive weapon. Go to battle over, over all kinds of temptations that you deal with, all kinds of decisions that you deal with. Use prayer as an offensive weapon against the deceitfulness of Satan. Ephesians 4.22 says it this way, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. There's that putting off. There's also a putting on, right? We ought to put on the Christ-likeness, put on the obedience, put off those things that would beset us and take us from obedience. Uh, Eugene Peterson has written well this. Prayer, he says, prayer, a subversive activity that involves a more or less open act of defiance against any claim by the current regime. When we pray, slowly but surely, not culture, not family, not government, not job, not even the the tyrannous self can stand against the quiet power and creative influence of God's sovereignty. Every natural tie of family and race Every willed commitment to person and nation is finally subordinated to the rule of God. That's like that phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for God's will to be done in our lives. So pray with discernment. Watch your own heart carefully before the Lord in prayer. We are inclined to go to the Lord in prayer. And when we're praying about other people, we're usually praying about their sins and their need for for getting right with God. And that's fine, but don't forget the log in your eye. (laughs) Right? Go to God about your own temptations to sin. Be devoted to prayer and be discerning as you pray. Ask God to expose your sinful desires so that you will be alert to them and on guard against them to take the offensive with the word and with prayer against those temptations and pray for God's help in yielding to the word. We need God's help in surrendering to the word and obeying what we would say, this is God's word, I must obey. Well, now we need to go obey. (laughs) We need to do that. We need God's help for that also. Pray for God's help. 
to yield to His Word and with the help of His Spirit in your battle against the old sinful nature. We're all going to need this as long as we're still here, this side of heaven on earth. And then there's a third way to pray, and uh, this is also designed by God to guard your heart against the devil's schemes. I'll just give you the, I'm just going to give you the third way, and then we're going to deal with this next time. Pray with gratitude. Pray with gratitude. You can see that here. Be thankful in all your praying, but let's save that for next time. Pray with gratitude. Remember this. We talked about this last week. Pray for wisdom. We can go back two weeks ago. Take the Word of God. Why do you need to read the Word? You need God's Word. You need His wisdom. And then God's Word tells you to ask for wisdom. Pray for wisdom to apply the truth to your whole life. Every situation you're dealing with, difficult decisions, difficult conversations, difficult choices. Pray for wisdom. And then tonight we talked about pray with devotion, that is with faithfulness. Be consistent in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Bathe everything with prayer. Pray with devotion, with faithfulness. And then we talked about pray with discernment. Be watchful in prayer. Be discerning about the world that you live in. You need God's help for that. You need to be submissive before God for that. Be submissive, be submissive before His Word for that as well so that you can rightly do battle against your own temptations to sin. Pray with discernment and be watchful in prayer. And then next time we'll come back to this third item. Pray with gratitude. Be thankfulness in all your praying. What a privilege is ours to talk to our Heavenly Father who absolutely loves us, who sent His Son to die for us, and then empowers us with His Holy Spirit and gives us His Word to read and hide in our hearts so that we might have joy and hope even as we live in troubled times, even as we deal with our own temptations to sin, even as we deal with difficult decisions and difficult people. We need God's help, and He has given us this precious privilege of prayer. Let's not neglect it. Let's be encouraged to pray even more now. If, if there's anything, I can't remember who I was talking to recently, was it, whether it was today or yesterday or a few days ago, but I thought, it, with what's going on in our culture, if God's people aren't burdened with this need to pray now, when will we be? When will we be burdened with the need for believers in Jesus Christ to pray and ask for His will to be done on earth if it's not now? Um, I'm thankful for what's going on in our world right now for that purpose because it's making me more alert to the need to prayer. We need prayer. We need to submit our desires to God's desires. We need to submit our thinking to God's thinking. We need to saturate our hearts and minds with His truth and then humble ourselves before the Creator of the universe who is sovereignly in control and ask for His will to be done in what we're doing in our lives and in what's going on a lot further than we can reach in the world in which we live today.